Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Welcome, everybody, to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm your host, Jim Dolan, and we have our Thanksgiving show for this year. We'll start off with an episode of Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore Show. It's a Thanksgiving program from 1946. This is called the Thanksgiving Pilgrim's Opera. Good health to all from Rexall. Rexall Drug Program, Gary Moore speaking. Hello, Gary, this is Jimmy. Jimmy Durante, where are you? I'm trying to get to the studio on time. I passed three red lights, went the wrong way up a one-way street, drove over the sidewalk and did a solid 50 miles an hour down Sunset Boulevard. But, Jimmy, they can put you in jail for that. Where do you think I'm calling from? From Hollywood, it's the nose and the haircut. Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore with Suzanne Ellers, Roy Bargie and his orchestra, and yours truly, Howard Petrie. Brought to you by 10,000 Rexall drugstores who carry the complete line of top-quality Rexall drug products. Ladies and gentlemen, next Thursday is Thanksgiving, a holiday started by the pilgrims who gave thanks when they landed on Plymouth Rock. But now we bring you a young man who would give thanks if he could just land in old Plymouth. And here he is, Gary Moore. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, my friends, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. May I wish you a very happy November the 22th. And, and before we do anything else tonight, we're going to hold the grand drawing for our annual turkey raffle. Now, of course, we all understand that if the person with the winning number is not in the audience tonight, the turkey automatically becomes mine. <laughs> now, I draw the number out of the hat, and it is number 64709. Six point seven oh nine. I got it. I got it. Six point seven oh nine. Ah! Well, well, better luck next year. <laughs> now, getting on with the program here. I was. Oh, excuse me. Uh, hello. It is true, isn't it, that on Thanksgiving Day, people eat turkeys? Why, of course. I told you you had it wrong, you crazy turkey. Let go of my leg. (laughs) You know how they're going to have that telephone taken out of here? Last night, I got a call at 3 o'clock in the morning, and a voice said, Pardon me, what radio program are you listening to? I said, Radio program? I'm sound asleep. She said, Oh, the Durante Moore show, eh? (laughs) Personally, I considered that very, very rude. I did. Well, Gary, it seems to me that nobody is as courteous nowadays as they used to be. What? Why, Suzanne Ellers. Bless your little Emily Post. <laughs> and I, I agree with you, too, Suzanne. You know, in the old days, if a gentleman was walking along with a lady and they came to a mud puddle, right away he'd take off the coat and spread it over the puddle. And after the lady walked across, she'd say... Thank you, Herman, but next time, let's use your coat. <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Gary, why mm-hmm. don't you give the folks a few pointers on etiquette? Well, let's take what we were just talking about here, walking on the sidewalk. Now, when walking to a football game, the gentleman always walks two and a half paces behind his mother-in-law. Well, why two and a half paces? In football, that's the regulation distance for a place kick. <laughs> and you know, Suzanne, ladies, ladies can be pretty rude sometimes, too. Especially when they keep people waiting on streetcars while they rummage through their purses. Well, don't look at me, Gary. My purse is never crowded. It is, isn't it? 
Let me peek into your purse here for a minute. Hmm, now. A bag of marbles, an electric toaster, <laughs> your boyfriend's picture, your boyfriend. <laughs> and my, my goodness, Suzanne, what is this? <laughs> Gee whiz. No, those helicopters can take off from any place, can't they? <laughs> Well, maybe etiquette isn't too necessary anyway. But besides, here's the guy who proves my point. Jimmy Durante. You've got to start off each day with a song. Now even when things go wrong, you'll feel better and you'll even look better. I'm here to stop the music, stop the music. My orchestration calls for a cowbell, not a cow. <laughs> now for my second number, I'll sing. Mammy, mammy, the sun shines east, the sun shines west. <laughs> California's sunshine. <laughs> the only sunshine in the world guaranteed to shrink a shirt. <laughs> Stars, you are in fine voice tonight. Thank you, Junior. And that was only on one tonsil, which I inherited from my pater. Your, your pater? Yeah, you know, my brother. <laughs> oh, your, your brother. Who did you think he was, my old man? <laughs> but that is neither sand, burr, nor do. <laughs> For your ratification, Junior, I just got back from Washington where I spent two days in secret session with the president. Ooh, a crisis? Yes, a critical crisis. We called in the Secretary of the Navy, the Secretary of War, the Army Engineers, and the greatest scientific minds in the country, but it was no use. Even they couldn't figure out how to stop the leak in my swimming pool. <laughs> Why, they poured more concrete in my pool than they got in Boulder Don. James, James, you mean, you mean Boulder Dam. Watch your language, Mr. Moore. <laughs> After all, this program is being shortwaved to pickets. <laughs> Is that why you went down to Washington to discuss your swimming pool? Not exactly. Mr. Truman had a few problems of his own. When I arrived, he was putting an oil burner in a basement, a wood burner in a kitchen, an electric heater in the bedroom, and a gas heater in the bathroom. Well, what's the idea of all that? Harry is going to be warm this winter no matter what John L. Lewis does. <laughs> but you know, I wasn't... But you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in Washington over five minutes when the president created a new cabinet post for me. He appointed me minister without portfolio. Minister without portfolio? Yeah, how do you like that? A big country like this and they can't even afford to buy me a briefcase. <laughs> and in, an important man like me has to carry his lunch in his back pocket. Well, Snodds, I suppose as minister without portfolio, you have to handle some of the government's crucial problems. That's right. For instance, last week the president of the Fruit Growers Association complained to me that the climate of California is no good for growing bananas. He said that the climate of California is no good for growing bananas? Yeah. How could the guy look me in the face and say that? <laughs> what does he think this is, holding up my glasses, a kumquat? <laughs> Wait a minute, I'll take it, Jim. Hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah he's here. Who is it, please? Oh, oh, my goodness. Just a moment, Your Worship. Jimmy, the Duke of Windsor wishes to speak to you. Does it sound like a touch? <laughs> Never mind if it is. He's good for us. Uh, give me the phone. Hello, Duke. I got everything arranged for your trip to Hollywood with the Duchess. What? Living quarters? Don't worry about it. I got you the bridal suite. 
That's right at the Pismo Beach Motel. <laughs> Is it a good place? Are you kidding? You get a towel each. <laughs> now tell me your plans. What do you and the Duchess want to do when you get here? What? Oh, no. We have too many of those husband and wife programs already. <laughs> What's that? Pip, pip, cheerio. Thank you in the Yorkshire pudding to you, too. <laughs> Jimmy, you're, arra you're arranging the Hollywood trip for the Duke and Duchess of Windsor? A logical choice, after all, Junior. On my last trip to England, you know, the continent. Yes. I mingled with all kinds of royalty. Counts and their countesses, dukes and their duchesses, and Makeuses and their moccasins. <laughs> No, no, Jim, not, not moccasins. Well, what is the right word? Uh, marchioness. You see, uh, le consort du marquis est une marchioness. C'est la forme subjonctive, passe participe, de la verbe plus perfect, et dans tous les mondes, c'est statistique et bien connu. How do you like that? Ask a guy a question and he joins the foreign legion. <laughs> Tell me, Gary, where do you pick up these fascinating bits of useless trivia? <laughs> In the Encyclopedia Britannica, Jimmy. It's a wonderful book. Haven't you ever read it? No. I'm waiting for them to make a picture out of it. <laughs> but, Junior? <laughs> I got a million of them. <laughs> but, Junior, where do you see the banquet I'm planning for the Duke and Duchess? Fifteen pheasants, twenty-five venisons, thirty grouse, fifty grouse, and a gross of grease. <laughs> grease is the feminine of grouse. <laughs> Following that, a mongoose on the half shell, and as my piece de resistance, curry of Tootsie Roll. <laughs> but there's one thing that worries me about the banquet, Junior. What do you do with the olive pits? Do you swallow them or do you hold them in your mouth until you get home? <laughs> Jim, there's only one thing to do with olive pits. You take them in your hand, and when no one is looking, you quietly sneak them into the cuff of your trousers. But suppose it's a formal affair and I'm wearing knickers. <laughs> Wait a minute, Junior, I've got it. I know what I'll do. I'll hold the olive pits in my right hand, and when the Duke shakes hands with me to say goodnight, yes, I let go. Oh, wait a minute, Jim. Are you sure you're the right man for this job? Don't worry about me, Junior. Why, I've mingled with nobility all my life. The last time I was in England, the king wanted to make me knight of the garter, and the queen wanted to make me knight of the bath. Naturally, I refused. Jimmy, the king wanted to make you knight of the garter, and the queen wanted to make you knight of the bath, and you refused? Yeah. I didn't mind putting on his garter, but a guy's got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> now you know that you can't go wrong. Why you can always be sure it's Durante and more when you hear a tremendous ovation. And that applause means it's time to pause for Exhal Identification. Rexall is the name of a complete line of top-quality drug products. Yes, Rexall is the name of a complete line of fine drug products sold exclusively in your Rexall drugstores. There is a Rexall drug product for every health need. For aspirin, take Rexall. For vitamins, take Rexall. For a mouthwash, take Rexall. Learn to insist upon Rexall for reliability. The name Rexall is your constant guarantee of safe, sure, pure drug products. The finest that science and pharmaceutical skill can produce. So, remember... To be safe, to be sure that the product is pure when you're buying a drug preparation. Take the clerk to test, step right up and ask for Rexall identification. Good health to all from Rexall. Rexall. <laughs> 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was Howard Petrie, a man whom we've... we've I've what? got... Don't laugh, don't laugh. <laughs> Remember, I'm reading from a carbon copy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Howard Petrie, a man of whom we're very proud because of his famous uncle. We all know that Thomas Edison invented the electric light, but Mr. Petrie's uncle is the one who showed him how to turn it off. Wait a minute, Jimmy. Can you prove that? I sure can. Here's a picture of him right in front of the town tavern, and he's out like a light. Well, I've never been one to look down my nose at other people's inventions, Jim, but I should just like to call attention to one of my own ancestors, Casanova Moore. A man who invented a device that has since become the very backbone of our social civilization. It was my great, 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 great grandfather who first invented the kiss. There's no sense in your hanging around, madam. My uncle's been dead 200 years. <laughs> so what? No man is perfect. <laughs> So your uncle invented a kiss, eh, Junior? Yes, he did. Well, tell us about it. Meanwhile, I shall bury my head in the razor's edge and listen with a sharp mind. Well, friends, my uncle, Casanova Moore, was born in England in the year 1525. And up till that time, the kiss had never been thought of. In order to show their love in those days, couples engaged in a form of affection called dipple-dipling. Now, now to dipple-dipe, a man put his arm around his girl, gently stroked her lovely hair, looked tenderly into her eyes, and slapped her in the face with a wet herring. <laughs> yes, every night my uncle's sweetheart would raise her little face to his and say, Oh, Casanova, before you leave me, give me just one more dipple dive. Very well, my dearest. Oh, Casanova, the boneless kind! <laughs> Somehow, the more Casanova dipple-diped, the less it seemed like the fulfillment of love's young dream. So then and there, he determined to invent some new kind of embrace. And his first invention he called... Schmoozcrofting. Now, in, in schmoozcrofting, the boy would cover his girl's face with brushless shaving cream and blow bits of confetti at her. But this was no good. Every evening, she would end up with her face looking like the floor of the Brown Derby on New Year's Eve. Then he tried another idea, and this he called... Twack noodling. Now, twack noodling sounds like fun, doesn't it? Twack noodling, twack noodling was really the most daring idea of them all. The boy and girl would sit on the Davenport, turn out the lights, and then whisper into each other's ears, Artie Shaw. <laughs> but the world, the world wasn't ready for Uncle Casanova's inventions, so to keep body and soul together, he took a temporary job in a local factory as a pickle taster. And after tasting pickles for three years, one day he turned to the girl at the next bench and said... Come here a minute, Mabel. What is it, Casanova? There's only one pickle left, and I want to get home to my experiments. Let's taste this last one together. All right. You start at one end, and I'll start at the other. Little did Casanova suspect that his lifelong ambition was about to be realized. Faster and faster, they ate towards the center of the pickle. <laughs> Their lips came closer and closer until finally Casanova bit past his half and... <laughs> Climbing down from the chandelier, <laughs> Casanova knew that this was what he'd been looking for. He had invented the kiss. 
So bounding out of the pickle factory, he dashed down the street, kissing every girl he met up with. Yeah, are you sure you got the right party? <laughs> realizing, realizing that he was wasting his time with the little man, he decided to take his ideas to the top. So he called on the King of England, Henry VIII. Confronting him, he said, Your Majesty, you don't look well. What's the trouble? I'm feeling mighty low. <laughs> Here was Casanova's chance. Quickly, he said, Your Majesty, I have invented a thing called the kiss. Try it once on Anne Boleyn and see what it does to you. So Henry grabbed Anne Boleyn, puckered up, and... Well, King Henry, how do you feel now? Give me five minutes more. Only five minutes more. And so with King Henry VIII's endorsement, the kiss took its rightful place in the English way of living. And I am proud to say that I have inherited my uncle's proficiency in the art. But just the other day, as I was walking down the street, a man looked at me, and I distinctly heard him say, Boy, get a load of that kisser. Thank you, Mr. Moore, for that erudite discussion of osculation. And now, ladies and gentlemen, going from the carbon copy to the one in bold type. <laughs> Our charming chantu, Suzanne Ellis, a little lady with pipes of solid gold. I should know I got a plumber's cart. How are you, Susie? Hiya, Jimmy. And thank you for that lovely introduction. But when it comes to singing, I bow to the master. <laughs> How do you get those mellow tones in your voice? That's a Durani secret, Susie, but I'll let you in on it. Every morning, I swab my throat with a concoction consisting of two parts cayenne pepper, a jigger of creosote, a dash of chemtune, and a pound and a half of grated garlic. And does that make you sing? After that, you gotta sing. If you don't open your mouth, you suffocate. <laughs> sing, Susie, sing.
lovely world this world will be with a world of love in It's good health to all from Rexall. Listen. For goodness sake, when you've a tummy ache, oh, 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 oh. Deep in your solar plexus, you really should find out how good. Ho, 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 ho. This Rexall Bismarck is. That's right, friends. An acid stomach condition by any other name can feel just as uncomfortable. And whether you call it indigestion, dyspepsia, or heartburn, you'll find the prompt relief you need as well as the prolonged relief you want with Rexall Bismarex. Because Rexall Bismarex contains not one, but four laboratory-approved alkalizing antacids. One fast-acting alkalizer and three slow-acting alkalizers. That's why Rexall Bismarex not only relieves your discomfort promptly but continues the acid-neutralizing effect for a prolonged period. Just mix one or two teaspoonfuls in a glass of water and drink. It's a pure peppermint pleasure. Remember, only a Rexall drugstore can sell you... And now, ladies and gentlemen, in accordance with time-honored custom, we present our special Thanksgiving opera as performed by that magnificent vocal group, the Durante and Moore G-Clef Coffee Clatch and Culture Choir. In this opera, ladies and gentlemen, I sing for two consecutive hours without taking a breath. Oh, now, wait. How can you sing for two hours without taking a breath? Storage tank in my nose. <laughs> well, in any event, in this Thanksgiving opera, friends, Mr. Durante will appear as Miles Standish, and I shall play the part... Of John Alden. Ah, yes. He was the fellow who made all the speeches and ended up with nothing. That's right. Sort of an early-day Democrat. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, the, the part of the Republicans in... Now, the part of the lovely Priscilla will be played by our gal, Suzanne Ellers, and the special choral effects, as always, will be sung by our announcer, Mr. Howard Petrie. Oh, James Melton would just hate me for this. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing the thing the rain washes down from the mountains. <laughs> Quiet, James. Maestro Boggy, overture for the opera. Our opera tonight deals with one of the greatest love stories ever told. The story of Captain Miles Standish, John Alden, and the lovely Priscilla. It's a peaceful day in the Pilgrim Village, but in the hearts of these three people, a fateful storm is brewing. <laughs> Captain, and my name is Standish. My manners are good, but my face is outlandish. But in spite of my appearance, I'm a mighty big fella. You can tell he's important by the size of his smeller. That's me. That's him. That's me. That's him. And I'm John Alden. I'm Standish's pal. I'm the romantic target of every pilgrim gal. You can tell by my face, I'm an early day Sinatra. Except for his hair cutting, that ain't so hot for Tis too. Tis not. Tis too. Tis not. And I am the heroine. My name is Priscilla. You can tell by my figure, I'm a real killer diller. I just passed 21, and that is a fact. Just past 21. She must have passed it coming back. Did you? Did not. Did not. Hot ta. Hot ta. Hot ta. Hot ta. 
Listen, John Alderson, show him a pal. I'll tell you right now, I'm in love with that gal. Her skin is like a peach, John, that you can bet. Yes, just like a peach. Sort of fuzzy and wet. Tis now. Tis too. Tis now. It is too. I love the gal. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm leaving the proposal up to you. You're leaving it to me. Well, aren't you taking a chance? You double-cross me, but they'll have to take you to the nearest hospital and operate 40 times and remove the lead from your pants. Uh-oh. Get her gone. Uh-oh. Get her gone. Hot job. Hot job, hot job, hot job. Now, now there's an intelligent comment. And so we find John Alden Moore in Priscilla's living room as Miles Standish Durante listens through an open window. Oh, Priscilla, Priscilla, my pretty little dove, I've come to your cabin for to speak of love. Now, I know that you're bashful and you're shy by a heck. Who's bashful, bud? Come on, let's next. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing? He's getting hot and I'm standing here stewing. Oh, speak for yourself, John. Don't be dull. If he speaks for himself, I'll fracture his skull. Now, wait. Come on, John. Now, wait. Come on, John. Oh, Priscilla, Priscilla, my shy little elf, I'm a-speaking of love, yeah, but not for myself. Captain Miles Standish is the man for you. Captain Standish? How do you do? Madam, madam, I'm making my plea. I'm getting right down on my bended knee. I've got a soft feeling that's making me mellow. Oh, get up, Miles. You're kneeling in her jello. <laughs> there must be some place he could go to be alone. Now tell us, Priscilla, what's your decision? Would you rather be mine or would you rather be his? I'm as strong as the wizard from the land of Oz. Yeah, but most of your strength has gone to your schnoz. Has not. Has to. Has not. Has to. On the other hand, Prissy, if you want to be shrewd, you'll marry with me, because I'm a Hollywood dude. I wear perfume, just like Hetty or Veronica. It smells like low tide at Santa Monica. Just not. Just do. Just do. Hot I'll bet he has fun just tying his laces. I'll tell you, boys, I love you like a mother, but I've already given my heart to another. You're in love with another? Who can it be? Don't be silly. She's marrying me. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She's marrying you. Can that be a fact? Everybody wants to get into the act. But you're not good looking, and you've got no dough. What did you say that made her love you so? I said, hot shot! Hot shot! Hot shot! Hot shot! Him and his big fat education. Petrie again with those four most Rexall reminders for the week. Remember, Rexall Bismarex. Remember, Rexall is a complete line of top quality drug products for every health need. Remember, Rexall drugs are sold only in a Rexall drugstore. Remember, Rexall for reliability. That familiar oval sign, R-E-X-A-L-L, is the surest sign of top quality in drugs and drugstores. Touche, Professor Peeping, I'd like to add. I do my shopping at a Rexall store. What I want, they got, and I pull them all. Umbriago, he prefers them to. We buy Rexall, that's all. How do you do? Wait, when, where? Let me hear that high note, maestro. What a note. I'm not a finality, Mr. 
soldier at it. Note a conclusion, Mr. Moore. Yeah, Jim, I guess that just about wraps up the tinfoil on tonight's little package. Say, would you uh, care to join me at Ciro's now in a little game of fumbling for the check? No, thanks, Junior. I've met my master. (laughs) (laughs) But if it's a little snack you want, come over to my house. Why, it's common gossip that I brew the best coffee in Beverly Hills. You do, huh? Oh, yes. I use only the tender center section of the beef. Really? Let me tell you the secret of coffee making, Junior. You know where the percolator starts to go plop, 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 plop? Well, if you open the top at that point... Yes? You get it right in the eye. Good night, Good night, Mrs. Calabash. Good night. Well, Rex's all for tonight, folks. So goodbye now for Suzanne Ellers, Roy Bargie and his orchestra, yours truly, Howard Petrie, and Jimmy Durante, and Gary Moore in person. So until next Friday, same time, same Columbia station, good health to all from Rexall. This program is produced and directed by Phil Cohan. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And this is WCBS New York. 10 p.m. B-U-L-O-V-A, Boulevard Watch Time. America runs on Boulevard Time. At this point in the program, Bob and Ray have something to contribute. Let's listen. Next, the life and loves of Linda Lovelay, girl intern. For the many fans who wait for her on the radio, we present once again the interesting story, The Life and Loves of Linda Lovelay, Girl Intern. Written for radio by O. Leo Leahy, it stars Marsha Van Allshot as Linda, Sherman L. Sturdley as David, with Hugo L. Summerstopper as Uncle Eugene, and Webley L. Webster as Ricky L. Llewellyn. It's the day before Thanksgiving in River's Mouth, as Linda in the kitchen is busily preparing a sumptuous meal. David, Ricky, and Uncle Eugene are in the parlor of the lovely home, talking over the possibility of Ricky's taking a position at the Teddy Tinker Peanut Butter Factory. Whatever that is, she's cooking smells pretty good out there. Yep, it certainly does. Have you seen my stuff box anywhere? No, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen that for at least a year, Uncle Eugene. Well... The way they go, I guess. I haven't seen you tap in a long time either, Uncle. Well, I'll give you a little sample right now. I'm always ready. You learned any new steps lately, Uncle Eugene? How's that? A snapper. Hey! I almost think he could do this professionally somewhere. Oh, boy, I've winded. You haven't seen my stuff box, have you? No, I haven't. But you made the cake fall. Made the what? The cake fall. Oh, it's too bad. I haven't seen him dance that long in a long time. You must be pooped. I am kind of tired. Boy, 
I mean, an old gaffer like you to be doing those quick steps. I think I'll go upstairs ride my bicycle for a while to relax. Okay. He has more stamina for a man his age than anyone else I know. Do I take the job or not? Well, I think it's a good opportunity for you, Ricky, if you you feel you'd like to have something to do with your time. I talked it over with the mother of me, and she said it would be good. Keep my idle hands busy. Then I won't be the devil's helper, she said. What's that? She said idle hands are the devil's helper. I don't want to be the devil's helper. Of course, that's uh, an old adage, I suppose, but you seem to have been getting along all right without working. That's right. I don't get into much trouble. I'll tell you right now, I'm not too happy with being tied down there at the factory every day, coming home with peanut butter all over my overalls. How do you feel, there? I feel fine. Does he look a little funny to you, Little? Well, little. Look a little funny to me, uh, when I saw you last. What do you think it is? Well, I don't know. They've... They've given us shots for peanut fever, so it couldn't be that again. Well, maybe it's a little reaction to that, you know. Well, it could be that, I suppose. But nothing will interfere with our wonderful Thanksgiving Day dinner tomorrow. We're going to go to the big game tomorrow? I think we should. We all should go over there. River's Mouth is playing Central City, you know. That's a big rivalry. Every Thanksgiving morning they play. I think we should go over and take it in. That curtain on fire. Where? Which one? Right over there. Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it looks as if it is. The curtain's on fire. The curtain's on fire. The curtain's on fire. Curtain's on fire. And so, an ominous cry goes up in the lovely house on the eve of Thanksgiving. The curtain's going up. Tomorrow... We'll be sitting in the front row, and we'll hear Linda say, Oh, it's too bad that the curtains had to be all burnt for Thanksgiving. That's tomorrow in the next exciting episode in the life and loves of Linda Lovely, girl intern, word car speaking. And listen to my other show, Memorable Movie Musical Memory Medleys, <laughs> on another station. Just not this station, or a uh, podcast, that is. Well, to conclude our program for Thanksgiving this year, we have the AFRS Thanksgiving Special, and that stands for Armed Forces Radio Service. So they did this special back in 1944. Let's listen. From America, greetings on Thanksgiving Day, 1944. This is Lionel Barrymore, men. Your old collection of hash marks. And they've put me here at the head of this Thanksgiving table to dish out the entertainment vittles to you fellas overseas. By way of an appetizer, Percy Faith and the orchestra are offering a medley of tunes as American as a hot dog and a ham sandwich on rye. Music from America, North, East, South, and West.
We like to have all the folks around the table for Thanksgiving. And we are mighty pleased this particular member timed her trip abroad so she'd be back with us today. Dinah Shaw. Everybody, this is Dinah. And this being Thanksgiving, Wally Brown has turned host and invited us over to his house for Thanksgiving dinner. Well, thank heaven. It was <laughs> beginning to look like Eatless Thursday. Let's go. <laughs> well, I guess this is the house. Well, Dinah Shaw. Well, Wally Brown. Oh, gee, Diner, I'm glad you were able to make it. What did you do, bring your own turkey? Turkey? Wally, that's Harry Von Zell. <laughs> Just a minute here. I do not look like a turkey. Or do I? <laughs> well, not a live one. Well, come on in. Come on in. Make yourselves at home. Gee, you got a nice place here, Wally. You were lucky to find a house like this with a swimming pool and all. Oh, it isn't bad. All except the front walk. What's wrong with the front walk? Every time I come home at night, I bump into those gasoline pumps. I mean, you... Oh. <clears throat> oh. You see, I told you, Dinah, that wasn't the swimming pool we passed. That was the grease pit. Oh. <laughs> come on, here. Let me hang your things up. Oh. Oh, brother, look at the moths in that closet. Oh, Harry, where's your holiday spirit? After all, it's Thanksgiving for moth, too. Sure. What can a moth eat? Just a stuffed cup and a blue pleat? <laughs> well, now, look, you fellas, can't we talk later? I'm hungry. Harry, where are your manners? Don't be so impatient. Well, I'm not impatient. Then stop chasing that moth. <laughs> well, let's get started. Dinah, you, uh, you sit over here, okay. and um, Harry, you sit over in that high chair. Oh, thank you. Wait, a high chair? Wait a minute, this thing is a trap. I won't be able to get at the food. <laughs> I think of everything, don't I? <laughs> How do you like it? Look at that turkey. He was raised strictly on corn. Yes. 
Associates, and around here he had plenty to eat, too. Oh. <laughs> okay, kids, pass your plates. Harry, leave your teeth alone. No, <laughs> Wrong place. Hey! Hey, butter! Look, he's got butter! Butter, he's got butter! Shh! Harry! Harry, it goes on the bread. You don't spread it all over town. <laughs> I didn't. I haven't had. Uh, uh, oh, excuse me, yeah. Wally. Wally, please, just a moment. It happens that that's my elbow you're dunking in the gravy there. Oh. Well, uh, anything with me done it these days. Tell you what I'll do. I'll give you four points for it. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> okay, kids. What do you have? I'll have some white meat. There you are, Harry. What part would you like? Well, you. Well, what's the difference? I know what part I'll get. <laughs> oh well. You know, this is a pretty good dinner. If I have to say so myself. And I guess I'll have to say so myself. <laughs> this is a pretty good dinner. Oh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Strange how it all started, isn't it? Tell us a Thanksgiving story, Wally. Oh, for that's done it. An after-dinner story, tell you. Probably he'll do card tricks, too. <laughs> you talked me into it. Well, it started a... <laughs> Way back in the... There was a boatload of pilgrims. They left from the... Uh, they landed at a... They were poor. They didn't have any... Uh... <laughs> They were on the rocks. There were hundreds of them. <laughs> they were all trying to... But there wasn't enough room. I mean, uh, how could they all fit into one Plymouth? <laughs> Wally, who was at the head of this party? Oh, this really wasn't a party, Diana. It was very serious. Everybody worked. There was one fellow who worked like a... His name was John Smith. The one and only John Smith, but he branched out. Well, look at the telephone book now. Boy, that Smith guy, he really got around. He liked to travel. He was a he was a hitchhiker. He took a ride on a he went as far as he went up to the he was right in the middle of a He was lost. But uh, he had a check, only he couldn't get a cash. The banks were closed. I mean they always are on Thanksgiving. Ah, that first Thanksgiving. What a crowd. I'll wait. What a crowd. What a crowd. More people. More people were trying to... You couldn't even park your... And in those days, they didn't have any. I mean, it... Every, everybody came. Even the Indians came. They had a reservation. And, uh... Thank you, Dinah Shaw, Wally Brown, and Harry Von Zell. And now, gang, here's another neighbor who's dropped in on us for a free drumstick. John Charles Thomas. The chorus and I would like to sing the beautiful old Dutch traditional hymn of Thanksgiving. Or you may know it as, We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. Together to ask the Lord's blessing. He chastens and hastens his will to make known the wicked oppressing. Cease them from distressing. Sing praises to his name. He forgets not his own. 
Now, since it's Thanksgiving Day, fellas, let's look in on the typical American home. The time is just after dinner, and we find ourselves in the living room of the Lancelot Higgins household, which boasts that sweet, unforgettable character, Baby Snooks. Oh, oh. what a meal. Daddy. Snooks, please. I can just about stagger to that couch. I got a funny feeling in my tummy. Funny feeling? Yeah. You feel like you didn't get enough to eat? No, I feel like I don't want all I got. <laughs> well, just drink some water and forget about it. I can't forget about it. Why not? Because I'm hungry. You just said you had too much to eat. Now you're hungry. I'm sleepy, too. Well, go to bed. <laughs> that ain't... I ain't that sleepy. <laughs> Snooks, it's Thanksgiving. Let me go through one whole evening without punishing you. All right, Daddy. You got my permission. Oh, this is a night for gratefulness, for benevolence. Look, why don't you run across the street and ask how old Mrs. Hooper is? I did, Daddy, just like you told me. What did she say? He said it's none of your business how old she is. <laughs> well, then, go inside and help Mommy with the dishes. Why don't you do it? Because a man's place is not in the kitchen. Is it on the couch? Now, don't be impertinent. Just run along and stay away from that icebox. If you eat any more turkey, you'll turn into a turkey. Do I talk like a turkey? Yes. <laughs> gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> oh, the child is right. I suppose I should go in and help the little woman with the dishes. But then why should I spoil her? I'm so clumsy, I might break one. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Daddy! Snooks, is that your voice? Where are you? Right here. Where? All I see is a scrawny little turkey. That's me. You? Good heavens, Snooks. How did you get to be a turkey? He said if I eat any more, I'll turn into one. Oh, Snooks, you didn't go back for more turkey, did you? Did you? Didn't I? <laughs> and look at me. I'm covered with feathers. Could it be that I'm a turkey, too? Could that be? Could be. <laughs> Snooks, this is weird. Yeah. It's weird. Lancelot Higgins, a turkey. Gone, my bubbling laughter. My flashing smile. What can I say to the neighbors? I know, Daddy. What? Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> this is no time for jokes. I'm a turkey. And yet, I, I don't feel like a turkey. How do you feel, Daddy? Foul. <laughs> Not bad, eh? Daddy. What? You may be a turkey. But you ain't changed much. Oh. Why, look, Snooks. We're right in the middle of a barnyard. Well, if I didn't know I was wide awake, I'd think I was dreaming. Daddy, there's a duck with eyeglasses. Quiet, Snooks. It may be Frank Tours. Come look at that 
cute little chicken. Oh, chicken, eh? A cute little chicken. Well, greetings, my feathered friends. Where is this luscious leghorn? Frank, Frank Morgan. Daddy, Mr. Morgan is a hen. Correction, my mealy-mouthed little muppet. I happen to be a rooster. <laughs> is the female of the species. <laughs> Bless their little hearts. <laughs> I'm certainly glad to see you, Frank. Uh, we are new in this barnyard. Well, I'm just visiting myself. I have a farm of my own, you know. That's funny, Daddy. He's a rooster and he has a farm. Well, uh, what's funny about it? Do you crow in the morning to wake yourself up? <laughs> She's such a girl. Of course, I have a farm with cows and chickens and ducks, and I have a prize bull that weighs 10,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds? Oh, yes. Ain't that a terrible lot of bull, Mr. Morgan? <laughs> Everywhere I go, I get the same thing. Well, see you later. I have a date with a gorgeous Guernsey at one of the local watering troughs. <laughs> Elsie's her name. She's a model for Borden's. <laughs> Goodbye, Frank. Don't get yourself into any hot water. Hot water? What have I got to worry about? I'm not a turkey. <laughs> Snooks. I didn't like that laugh. What made him laugh? Maybe his feathers tickle. <laughs> no. Snooks, do you know what day this is? Mm-hmm. It's Thanksgiving Day. Exactly. Do you know what that means? Sure, it means we're going to have turkey for dinner. No, we're the turkeys. They're going to have us for dinner. Oh. Us. Oh, what was that? It's a man with a gun, Daddy. It's Mr. Mudge. Mudge? Yeah. Why, of all people, he hates me. He'll wring my neck. Snooks, you've got to protect me. i got to protect you? Yes. I'm a great big heavy set bird. You're just a runt. Why don't you protect me? Don't be silly. Who'd want to eat a scrawny, sawed-off, tired-looking little turkey like you? Listen. He's got a machine gun. That ain't a machine gun, Daddy. Oh, what is it? It's your knees knocking. Oh. <laughs> Snooks, he's coming this way. Talk to him. I'll hide behind this rock. All right, Daddy. Leave it to me. Hey, you... You haven't seen a turkey around here named Lancelot Higgins. Lancelot Higgins? Yes, he's that big flannel-mouthed bag of wind who used to live next door to me. Never heard of him. Don't give me that. I know he's around somewhere. You know what I'm going to do when I catch him? You're going to stuff him. Right. And then you know what I'm going to do? Uh-huh. What? You're going to kick the stuffings out of him. Exactly. <laughs> what was that? It's somebody's knees knocking. Whose knees? Flannel mouth. Uh-huh. Run, Daddy. He's on to you. Snooks, stop splashing. Where are we? We're in a swimming pool, Daddy. Well, look over the side and see what's cooking. All right. Daddy. What? Uh, we're cooking. <laughs> I knew it. He's boiling us alive. <laughs> You're going to taste awful good, Higgins. Mudge, you can't do it. Stop him, Daddy. You can't cook us alive. It's murder. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. Daddy. Oh, Daddy. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh so It's you. Who'd you think it was? <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, you're not a turkey, are you? I'm Snooks. 
Oh, Snooks, my little girl. Oh, you never looked more adorable. <laughs> me? Yes. Come here and let, let me kiss you. Don't you feel well, Daddy? Never felt better, Snooks. And I've just realized we have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah. Here I've been sleeping on the couch while your mother's been doing the dishes. Well, I'm going right in and straighten up the kitchen with her. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow I'll clean up the woodwork with her. And I'll think of something else for Saturday. Mommy's already thought of something. Oh, she has? How do you know? Well, she just said she was going to mop up the floor with you. <laughs> oh, I'm really cooking. Thank you, Fanny Bryce, Hanley Stafford, and Frank Morgan. Now, Dinah Shaw and the chorus join to bring us an Irving Berlin song inspired by the American spirit of thanksgiving.
This is Lionel Barrymore, fellas, winding up this Thanksgiving spread with just one or two more words. It's pretty tough for any soldier or sailor to get excited about Thanksgiving Day when he's a few thousand miles away from home and the cranberry sauce. But let's all be thankful anyway that we've got a country to come home to that's rich in its natural bounties and opportunities. And rich in its friendship with other nations who have proven themselves strong and helpful in hastening that day when tyranny ends. And we celebrate a real Thanksgiving. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening.